0: Glory to God. Welcome to Gospel Revolution Church. Welcome to the umpteenth edition of Table Talk. Thanks for coming and, and gathering around the table and uh, talking Jesus with us. Thank you guys for watching online. We switched the camera angle to see how um, it'll work out this way. I think it's better because you can see everybody and we don't have the strange lights, but we'll, we'll sort it out and figure it out. It's Labor Day. You guys happy that it's going to be Labor Day? It's like a memorial. A memorial of what? Not working.
1: <laughs>
0: Hallelujah. <laughs> so did you put it like that, I'm happy. If you put it like that, you're happy. Yeah, And I, when I was thinking of Labor Day, and then we'll see what everybody wants to talk about, but I was just thinking of Labor Day and it, it, it's like a memorial, right? It's a memorial to us that reminds us of uh, taking a day off from work or whatever you want to call it. I'm sure there's more detail involved, but it just reminded me of uh, the resurrection, right? And, and, and the cross and the glorification of Jesus and how it's a, rem- it's a memorial. And a memorial is something that just reminds you of something. It stirs you up by way of reminding you, right? So if you've been thinking you got to work, 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 well, Labor Day comes along and it's like, oh, I don't have to go to work on Monday. Hallelujah. What do I want to do? Right? And it's like your mind gets cleansed. From the working you were busy with, and then it's actually free to be able to think of what do I want to do, what would I enjoy doing, I, and then you're able to go do that and and see what happens with uh, the cross and the resurrection. Is it it also serves as a as a memorial to us, and if you guys don't realize it, we were all working, right, sweating from our brows, working real hard trying to gather life to ourselves, trying to gather peace and love and joy to ourselves, trying to preserve our lives from the corruption and the things that we see in the world that aren't exactly right. And the cross and the resurrection serves as a memorial to us that God has come and abolished the death that we were tormented by and has come and brought to light the life and the immortality that we were always working to get. And what happens is, is that cleanses our conscience from our own working to gain life. And what that does is it's an interesting dynamic because you're no longer doing what you do to try to have peace. You're no longer doing what you do to try to have love or joy or to try to, try to gain life. You're doing what you do from the place of this is just what I would like to do. And that changes everything. And it's, it's like, what, what does a man work for that he already has? Right? Why would we work for something that we already have? Well, what we already have is life. What we already have is godliness. And so why would we work to try to gain something we already have? And so it cleanses our conscience from our own efforts trying to have those things, trying to have the fruit of the Spirit. And then all we're left with is just in this place of what do we want to do? Right? We've already gained everything. Right, We see the resurrection, we see the glorification of Jesus, and immediately that comes and says something to us and says, we've reached the full stature. And so nothing can add to our stature, and nothing can take away from our stature. So out of having the fullness of the stature of God manifested inside of us, what do you want to do? Now what? what do you want to do? And it's like you're free from your working. And now you're just left with doing what you want to do. Hallelujah. Right? And then what happens is your steps become ordered by the Lord, Um, ordered by life. Instead of ordered by death, your steps become ordered by abundance instead of ordered by lack. And you can find yourself actually enjoying the things that are in this world to enjoy, right? Whether it be music, whether it be dancing, whether it be uh, gardening, whether it be any traveling, anything. You're free to enjoy that kind of stuff. So when I think of Labor Day, that's kind of what it, I think of. It's like a memorial. It memorializes to me what God, the work, the work of God, to come and serve me with the life I was always working to have, right? And now I'm no longer working to have that life. I'm living, possessing that life, and just what do I want to do, right? And so that's that's just a little commemoration of Memorial Day. But what do you guys want to talk about? Every day. Labor Day. Sorry. Oh, I, oh, and I was also mentioned in Memorial.
2: Yeah. 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 Labor Day. Thank you. I got to take Thomas with me everywhere I go. Yeah. I don't know want to call it Labor Day when you don't go to work that day. you right. think they call it rest day. When you're not gonna yeah. go to work?
1: That sounds like the
0: Seinfeld episode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it certainly does.
0: Uh, yeah. So what do you guys want to talk about? What's on your mind?
3: How
0: about Jesus? Jesus. Yeah, see, I'm gonna get up and leave now. Uh, on. To...
4: So oh. we have to fill that board.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we should get deep into something before he gets back, so he has to catch up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh
4: you got it? Yeah. Sorry. Right. We got something. So, I got a verse in light of all the
6: stuff that's been coming forth recently in regards to prayer. And this one, particularly what we've been talking about, what's going on in the heart of someone when you're praying with someone. And uh, that really brought to light a verse that uh, I never understood before. Because when you're praying with someone, you're praying the truth. <clears throat> You're, you're, you're loosing the kingdom of heaven into their life and you're binding up the, 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 the lies that are in their heart and you're bringing them to a place where they can say amen to that which you're praying over them, okay? So something's happening in the heart of that individual. So with that in mind, I'd like to get uh, your thoughts on this verse. In 1 Peter chapter three and verse seven, it says, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So what does that dynamic have to do with whether or not your prayer gets hindered?
3: Read it again.
6: Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life,
2: that your prayers be not hindered. Well, you know what I told you the other day, right? Yeah. About that. I told them that if you have an unhappy wife, <laughs> yeah, you make your life so miserable <laughs> that you're not going to be able to pray to.
5: <laughs> I was thinking nowadays people will pick that verse apart. The weaker vessel. Woo! (laughs) Yeah.
1: Just mean the one that needs help or needs encouragement, but it's just weaker
2: vessel. And that's that's the spirit behind that. Yeah. yeah. You know that that. uh... Yeah.
6: But it's interesting. He starts the verse off with likewise, which Mm -hmm. goes back to what he was saying to the wives, and that even starts off with a likewise, which goes to what he was talking about before that. So, what does any of this have to do with whether or not your prayers are hindered?
2: Good question.
5: It's just a coming together. That's what I think of.
2: I can appreciate what she's saying Mm -hmm. because when you think about it, it, is it speaking just to the husband that your prayers be not hindered, or to the the couple that your prayers be not hindered? Mm -hmm. You know that, that there's this coming together in spirit between you and your wife, Mm -hmm. that fosters the relationship you have with the Lord. So you see what I'm saying? That's that's, where I'm at too. Mm -hmm.
7: I think it's an example of uh, being one spirit together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as as we have a relationship with our father and our wives.
2: right? I don't know that there's a definitive answer to to your question i mean yeah. well there's there specific is. well what i'm saying there there may be two or three thing ways that you can look at it that could be definitive yeah. i'm not saying it not definitive but not that that means a particular thing and uh, you know only that mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's probably a number of ways you could look at that you know okay. definitively yeah so i'm going to keep reading the next few
6: verses because a few verses later, is something that was brought out uh, uh, last week during the session Annette and I had. It says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are called thereunto that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him askew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So I bring this up, like I say, it's in reference to what we've been learning concerning what's going on in the heart of someone that you're praying with, okay? So in that illustration, let's say for some reason, I'm having a bad day, because Annette not never have bad days. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> and, and so she sees that I'm struggling with something or whatever, and she says, let me pray with you. And in that prayer, she starts proclaiming truth, She's she's binding lies, and she's loosening the kingdom. All right? Well, if there's animosity between us, wouldn't that hinder that prayer? Wouldn't that hinder what that prayer was intended to accomplish? Mm
3: -hmm.
6: Or have we always looked at your prayer being hindered as there's something hindered between you and God?
2: Mm Sure. Sure. Makes sense. Well, the hindering is definitely
0: not between you and God. Right.
6: He goes on to say that in the latter verse,
0: that his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. Yeah, it's not talking about God won't hear your prayer unless you and the wife can get on the same page. Now. Right. right. Definitely not saying that. I mean, there's a lot of things that, I mean, just, and this will help people discern for themselves kind of how they read scripture you know it's how you already i say this a lot but i feel compelled to keep always saying it you know it's how you already decide what the prayer is talking about you're we already decide when we read that verse that the prayer has got to be us trying to get something from god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we already read that right into the text before we get anywhere we don't even consider what the prayer that it's talking about could even be right and i'll just throw something out at you the, the prayer that it could be is that you could be desiring to get along with your wife. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if you're not dwelling with your life according to knowledge, that means the knowledge of the Son of God. If you're not dwelling with each other according to the truth, it's going to be real hard for you all to get along. It's going to be real hard for you guys to esteem each other. It's going to be real hard for you guys to give yourselves over into one another's arms. If the man is not finding uh, rest in the father's love for him and the woman is not finding rest in the father's love for her, it's going to be very difficult for them to come along together. right? And I think men and women, husbands and wives especially, if you, even if you're just dating, but I mean, how many of you like it when you're not getting along with the person you're dating? Does it feel nice? Are you like, hallelujah? <laughs> It's wonderful, man. Or when the husbands and wives, if you ain't getting along. How many of you think that's a wonderful thing? <laughs> Guys, when, we, when you get together, are you like toasting each other because your wife is busy hating you? No, it's like, man, I just can't get this woman to love me. I can't make her happy. And same thing with the women when they come together. I don't know why this man despises me. So no one likes it when they're not getting along. So right off the bat, that kind of lends itself to the idea that the prayer of all of our hearts inside of a relationship is that we could dwell together as co-heirs. Right? And so that's just a, a, a I just wanted to throw that out there for, for people's mindset to be jogged, to be kind of what do I want to say? I don't even know the word I want to look for. I want your mindset to to be able to come and look at it from a different perspective. Because so many times when we're wrestling with verses like this, the big problem is we've read into the text the foundation from which we think it's speaking. And then we read it from the foundation we've already established, right? And then when we do that, we can very easily miss what's going on there. I just got to tell you, if, I mean, like Maurice just so beautifully pointed out, there's a whole lot of things you could teach from every verse that maybe don't have anything to do with that context. Yeah. Right. But if you're using the verse to teach what is the truth that was revealed in Jesus, well, I think you're using the verse accurately. Right. But if you're just looking at the context there, the guy seems to be clearly talking about relational matters between husbands and wives. That seems to be what he's talking about. And the only reason why you would bring that up is because you would want husbands and wives to be able to enjoy life together instead of dwelling together all the time at each other's throats. Right, Which, I don't know if you guys realize it, but the wisdom in the world is set up in such a way that it tries to bring men and women to be at odds with one another. The wisdom of the world will cause men and women to want to cannibalize each other and hate each other. That's what the wisdom of the world is designed to do. So a big part of what the gospel would come and do is it would come to tear down the wisdom of the world inside of relationships between husbands and wives and men and women. So they can dwell in peace, as as Peter says, as co-heirs, right? As co-heirs. Even like, even what Lisa just said. Think how much the wisdom of the world has gotten magnified between men and women, that even just reading that verse, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Even just that, saying that, there's like a strife now Mm -hmm. between men and women. You trying to say I'm not as strong as you, right? And that, that don't come from God. And that don't come from the wisdom of, of God. It doesn't come from above. It's not peaceable. It's the wisdom from below. That he's even given, uh, given credence or stoked the fire of that somehow being a negative thing. Who says weaker is less, less value? Who says that has anything to do with it? He goes on to say, considering that they're co-heirs with you. Being heirs together with you, meaning you have equal heirship. They're an equal heir with you. They're not a lesser heir. And it's just describing the different dynamics that men and women bring to the table. We're different beings, right? And thank God for that, right? It's like, you know, when we try to make men and women the same, you know what it's actually like? It's like trying to eliminate the Son and the Spirit from the Godhead. And you just have the Father, but you don't have the Comforter. And you don't have the Son, right? The different components that make up men and make up women, they paint the full picture of all that God is. In the moment, you want to try to make them the same and remove the characteristics that make them beautifully different, right? That's the same thing as trying to circumcise part of God off of himself, because it takes man and woman to declare God, right? When God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, he went on to say, male and female, made he them. Right? It takes a man and a woman to declare all of the attributes of God in the earth. Right? Why do you think the Holy Spirit's called the comforter? Why do you think the Holy Spirit is you is mentioned as a she or a her in the scriptures? Why do you think it's spoken like that? Why do you think the Holy Spirit's talked about as a mother hen that incubates and hovers over her eggs to bring forth life? Why do you think Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter? Right? So there's attributes of God they're to declare through the different parts of God. Well, there's attributes in men that speak to God. And there's attributes in women that speak to God. Neither of them are to be despised. Neither of them are being declared to be less than the other. Men don't have to be able to be like women to be as valuable as women. Neither do women have to be like men in order to be as valuable as men. It's nonsense. Right, But the world would come and stoke this fire, particularly in the household of a man and a woman, to try to get those people who were co-heirs together, he says, to now be dwelling in the house as if they're at war with each other and the other one is on the other side and they're the enemy.
8: Another way you can look at this is run it through the Jesus filter and say, all right, when it refers to husband, let's think of Jesus. And when it refers to wife, let's think of the church. Are Jesus' prayers ever hindered with regard to the church? Yeah. No. Why not? Because he's always relating to the Father on the basis of the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And so if if the husband, in terms of human relationships, is dealing with the wife on the basis of the knowledge of the truth,
0: then just like Jesus, his prayers will not be hindered. That's right. That's right and husbands there's a whole there's a whole like big dynamic we can really get into and i'm so i'm sorry if i'm sidetracking no. you from from where you wanted to go but in another place paul talks about when the corinthians were like well should we not get married should we get married what's the point is it bad to have sex if we're married should we stop having sex if we're already married like cuz they were heathens they were pagan worshipers they would go to the temple and have orgies that was their their worship of god and so they had all these questions well well paul in that In that explanation, he talks about one of the questions was, is it evil should a woman be married to a man who wasn't a believer? Or was it evil for a man to be married to a woman that wasn't a believer? Should they now separate because of that? And Paul says, certainly not. And he goes into this long explanation about how your good conduct, not meaning your behavior, yeah, your belief. but your belief, your knowledge of the truth will produce love in you. And they could see that love in you. They could see you filled with hope and joy and peace. And it could be like a light to them. And they could think, why is this woman always treating me with loving kindness when I'm a heathen, when I'm a loser, right? And then they could want to know why you're filled with hope all the time. And they could see the good work you did to be filled with hope is you just called upon the name of the Lord. You just grabbed the hold of the life that God came to serve you with as a gift. And so one of the things Peter could be talking about there is that one spouse having a desire for the other spouse to come into the knowledge of the truth Mm -hmm. and how you can dwell with that spouse in that dynamic, right? And what is your prayer as a person? I mean, we have such an understanding. When I read the scriptures now, I got like a rich, deep understanding of what each word means when I read the verse. And it ain't my worldly understanding. But the moment I think of prayer, one of the things that jumps out in my mind is, I mean, why do we even pray? As as you (coughs) said. Now, we we went into a whole bunch of reasons about what prayer is created for. But most of us, when we pray, if we're just being honest, we're desiring something. Mm -hmm. We're desiring something, right? So a man and a woman, a husband, a family, man, there's desires there. Right. And you're both desiring what? What is it we're desiring when we pray? We can talk about all these different things because we have all these different ideas of what we think will help our life. But really, when we pray, we're desiring life itself. And actually, if we were all the time just filled with peace and love and joy, guess what? We'd never be wanting anything (laughs) because we'd feel like we have everything. I mean, lack or torment or fear or hatred or envy or all these things that are full of unrest are actually what causes us to desire something. It's what causes us to think we need something we don't have. So if we're actually filled with peace and love and joy all the time, and we're filled with abundance all the time, we'd find that we weren't really desiring anything. We'd feel content. Do you know, we'd feel like we have everything, right? But from the foundation of desiring life, desiring peace, desiring love, desiring joy, if the husband and the wife aren't dwelling with each other according to the knowledge of the truth, man, their desire to experience life could really be hindered. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It could really be hindered. If there's World War III going on in your house, God is greater than World War III, and God could minister peace to you. But I can just tell you in my own house, if my wife and I are in World War III, I can get with God and I can feel peace, but that doesn't satisfy my desire because maybe my wife still don't have peace. I may be dwelling in peace. I may be thinking, well, my wife isn't the enemy. My wife can't overcome my life. I have all things. I could be filled with peace, but if I'm looking at my sweet, beautiful wife over there still filled with torment, that leaves me with the desire for her to experience life still. Right? And so the, the husband and the wife desiring to dwell with each other to enjoy each other, to um, foster an environment where the beauty that is in both of them already has the opportunity to blossom and to come out, to dwell with each other according to knowledge, like They were created to dwell together in the beginning where neither one of them was looking to the other one for life and neither one of them was blaming the other one when they didn't experience life. But they were both looking to God as the only giver of life and they were both finding peace and love and joy from God's love for them. They could dwell together and they could find their prayer to experience life manifesting, not being hindered, right? And so that's just a a whole bunch of caveats that we could bring out in correlation to talking about what those verses talk about. I'm never just after, I know we're in like this postmodern era where nobody reads the Bible anymore, and I get it. People wish I'd stop talking about verses, and they wish I'd stop talking about the Bible. It's okay. We don't, we, we don't have to read the Bible religiously, and we don't have to throw the Bible out because it's been read poorly. Right, But one of the things I encourage everybody to think of when you're reading the scriptures or weighing the scriptures, you're bringing to the scriptures a predetermined mindset. You're not coming like a blank slate. You already have all these thoughts about all these different things. And you don't just have thoughts. You have conclusions. You have conclusions about what words mean. You have conclusions about what pictures mean. You have conclusions about what things mean. And you're reading the scriptures that way. It would be helpful to you when you're reading the scriptures, if you're wrestling with some of the scriptures, to be mindful of that. That's like the first thing that popped into my mind when Matt said that. The first thing that popped into my mind was, well, I'm already reading into the text what that prayer is and what it's trying to accomplish. Well, who says that's what it's talking about? right? And so to remove yourself can be a difficult thing when you're reading the scriptures. You want to hear an example of that? Let me Hold on, let me just okay. wrap this up. And what I want to say is it's impossible to remove yourself. But what you can do is you can tell God that you don't want to read your interpretation or your conclusions into the scriptures. You want to read the spirit of what's really written there and then commit that into
2: his hands and he will produce it. Go ahead, Mo. Well, so in the United States, to tell or to relate to a female and say that she is a weak a weaker vessel is not like politically correct today, okay. nor does so most funny. women want to actually hear that. What is a female? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We won't get into that, okay? But, but, li- but listen to this so we, we're reading these verses, and I just happen to have uh the Berean Study Bible, up, okay? And y'all are reading the scriptures, and I'm reading them. and and i'm going to tell you before i read what i read i already knew that this is what it meant but it doesn't say that but this is what it means husbands in the same way treat your wives with consideration as a delicate vessel now does that sound a little different than a weaker vessel Yeah, it does. okay well that's what it really means and you can use the word because an equal uh you know a valid interpretation would be to say the weaker vessel but because of our culture and the way we view things and consider things and and define things our culture says that that's an offensive thing mm-hmm. to say that someone is a weaker vessel but an equally relevant and in correct way to interpret that word is a delicate vest. And uh, I think I'll start using this translation. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: certainly ministering to women. I think, I think so. Or ministering yeah. to men that think they're gonna sure. beat their wives over the head with the scriptures yeah. to make but them the feel spirit, like, The know. Spirit
2: should interpret that for you when you look at the context sure. of what's being said there. The Spirit should interpret that for you like that, oh, but God. in our culture, it may not be as easy to see. Yeah.
5: I keep seeing like a stoneware cup that's really heavy duty versus a china cup. You know, they're both used for the same thing, but one is much more delicate than the other.
1: And you can associate delicate with like something that's treasured, treasured, adored. absolutely Absolutely. precious. I mean, think of pottery that it's like you know, it's beautiful, and so you can kind of reflect. Yeah, something to be cherished, cared for,
4: Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Loved,
5: maybe in the weaker vessel, honored,
0: honored yeah mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> which is what Paul says in another place.
0: Husbands yeah. honor your wives, I think it says, right?
5: But the sad thing is, like you were saying in this today's world, they already have this preconceived just reading that one little week of that one word, and that turns off mm-hmm. most of the world, or it mean I not
1: think about it, you know, you can make them twist on it, or I don't know, well, like but mostly, but the re.
5: Yeah, but the reality, they won't even go farther than reading that anymore. That's what I'm thinking. They're, you know, not me. I'm talking about right now in today's world. I mean, like, you can't even, again, get everybody's got to be equal now. Everybody's got to be even. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to be, or that's the way they're thinking. So they're not reading into that as, oh, they see weaker, not delicate, not. And yep. they won't go any farther than that. And that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And you could pick that thing apart. This, this world could, right? You know? And you're
0: absolutely right. And guess what? A lot of people don't re- realize this because they're not out there in these circles. But the academic world of Christianity, there's a whole section of the academic world in Christianity where the women have started picking all these yep. things together. And in fact, now David is part of the patriarchy and not in a good way. And that David was probably assaulting Bathsheba Against her will, and that he, I mean, there's like there's classes in Christian academia that is centered down that line because of what Lisa just said, and it's like utter nonsense. It's the carnal mind trying to interpret and read the scriptures.
5: I mean, just even look at Baby It's Cold Outside, (laughs) that cute little song, that Christmas song that now they're banning from because you know it's you know the woman is. You know, the way the guy's singing about her. And I'm like, oh, my
0: gosh. I They're ruining Christmas. I love
5: that song. I love that song.
2: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm just joking. You can't ruin Christmas. But I'm just you know, funny. listen, I can tell you, if you're looking for evil, you'll surely find it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can yeah. tell you. What did you think about all that, Matt, since you brought up the verse?
6: Well, I mean, I would agree with absolutely everything you said. It's just... More of the dynamic I was focused on is what's happening in the heart of a person that you're praying with. In the illustration, like I gave, you, you know, I'm having a bad day or whatever, or I'm bedazzled about something, and Annette comes to pray with me. You know, this don't go on in our house. I'm just <laughs> using illustration, but you know, the the spouse could take the end. Why are you always come at me with that super spiritual stuff? Because that's just not where my mind's at right now. That hindered Mm -hmm. that prayer.
5: Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, if she if you guys are having World War Three in your words, she's not gonna come to you and ask you to pray for you anyway. (laughs) In that
8: that illustration, what makes you conclude that the prayer has been hindered? Well if if you're speaking truth to someone, what what makes you think
6: I'm I'm coming from what's been coming through through some of the recent meetings? and that what's going on in the dynamic of the heart of a person that you're praying for.
8: Okay. Well, I've had plenty of people before 1993 approach me with the gospel and I made fun of them and called them glassy eyed Christians and that they were brainwashed and it did not hinder their prayer for me. You say, from our perspective, when we don't see something manifest, we think, well, it's not working, but the truth works in a way that we don't immediately see. So I don't mm-hmm. think that that's an example, a clear-cut example, is of, of prayer being hindered if the husband in your hypo, hypothetical is actually speaking truth to the wife. Let's say she says, the husband tells the wife, no, honey, Jesus loves you. Don't give me that crap. Well, <laughs> the truth is Jesus loves you. <laughs> and that can work something in a person's heart that doesn't bloom till later.
0: Okay,
1: But, but in
8: that moment. Yeah, but in that yeah. moment, you think your prayer is being hindered, but you're going by sight, not okay. by faith.
6: There's a difference between hindered and canceled. Yeah, that's
4: true. It's because
6: if, if the animosity is not going not not going on, then when I'm praying with her, it's going
8: to produce the effect. Okay, well, you we've heard the verse. Let's get more controversial. We've heard the verse that the effective man of a righteous man accomplishes much. The what? The effective prayer, effect prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Yes. You've heard that verse. Yes. Okay, well, I bet most people are taught it's on you to make sure that that prayer
7: works.
8: (laughs) And you better have your act together to qualify as a righteous man, because if you're not, it's not going to work. Well, who's the righteous man whose prayer has worked? Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the righteous man. Mm -hmm. So it's not on us to bring about a result in the heart of the listener. It's on the truth who's a person who's already done it.
5: When I think of that, not even husband and wife, I think of just two people coming together. One lives within the spirit. One's not living within the spirit. And I don't think of it as hindering because obviously, like you said, it's, you know, God at the end of the day that's going to make it come to fruition. But um, more so like the person being prayed for not feeling that release or that connection to God in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then the other person's praying over them. And so it's not really a hindrance, but in that moment, that person may not feel like it came about, you know, right.
6: or the relief of it.
4: A, again, I'm speaking
6: the dynamic yeah. in the heart of the person. Now, if we're arguing or whatever, and I go off in the bedroom by myself and I'm talking to God, that prayer's not hindered at all. Mm-hmm. That that's not what I'm addressing
8: in this. So you're looking to what you perceive to be what's happening in the heart of the listener to draw the conclusion on the whether the prayer is effective or not. And I'm taking an issue with that. I'm saying, uh, that doesn't sound right to me. And what I'm saying is
6: the, because of the, the turmoil in the heart of the person that you're praying for, it hinders the effect of what's
8: okay. So that may mean the turmoil because of sin mm-hmm. at work in the heart is greater than the truth. No. Then therefore it cannot hinder the truth.
6: I mean, when you go to Mark chapter four, Jesus talked about things in the soil the fruit from coming forth, and that could be the dynamic that's at work here in the heart of the person that you're praying with.
8: But there's Maybe nothing in the soul.
1: in the experience of it, like I think yeah, I'm what talking what about it? your
8: perception and the and the conclusion like that you draw based on that perception. What I'm telling you do. is, to me, that sounds like uh, live, walking by faith as opposed uh, by sight as opposed to walking by faith. I put a little overlay on this that might be helpful. And, and we were talking, Lisa and I were talking about this this morning the difference between being concerned and being anxious. So you see your wife in this example is being in turmoil and you're concerned for her. Okay. Well, God sees man in, tu- in turmoil and he's concerned for him. Is God anxious for man? Is God anxious about the outcome for man? No. And so if we are walking by faith, we can be concerned, but not anxious and out of concern, we can share the truth, but not be anxious about the result to conclude that my prayer has been hindered is to me sounds like being anxious. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's consistent with, with faith.
6: Okay. So paint me a picture of what is considered consistent with prayer being hindered according to this.
8: Uh, an example would be god if you could just get my wife a job she'll be at peace well that's not based on truth is it because peace isn't brought about by changing circumstances right so you're if you're praying with ignorance of the truth i would say good luck because they ain't gonna work your prayer is going to be hindered does that make sense sure that would be an example in my
2: mind you know it's kind of interesting i look back on the word your prayers (laughs) your prayers not being hindered is that singular or is it plural irregular yeah. plural you are ye yourselves so there is a relational aspect to what we're talking about here that is speaking of uh in that relationship what is coming forth from that relationship toward god being hindered on or, or, but not from god's perspective but but from the relational perspective going toward the lord it not coming forth as it it should be because because there is strife there and one is they're not viewing one another as brothers as as in in the lord and having been made perfect before the lord so when both the minds of the husband and the wife but together like that and they're praying there's going to be this beautiful communication with the lord but if strife exists there there is going to be some hindrance but it's interesting that that word your prayers will not be hindered is not just the person it's you know it's plural the the,
0: the where it's getting sideways though is the concept that this is praying to get something or praying to affect the change. Right. And I think that needs to be removed from mm-hmm. the context. That is not the proper context. The What could be hindered is if I'm not dwelling with my wife according to the knowledge of the truth, my wife isn't dwelling with me according to the knowledge of the truth, then we're not coming together in our worship of the Lord, if you want to use that word worship. We're not coming together. We're not on the same page. Our union with one another, our ability to enjoy one another and enjoy God together is being hindered. But it's not about a request being made that's now being hindered or me praying for someone and that prayer is now being hindered on account of them. It's, it's like Maurice just pointed out. I think it's more talking about the unity in a house between husbands and wives. I'll just use that language to make it simple. The unity is being hindered because the the husband maybe is not dwelling with the wife according to the knowledge of the truth or the wife isn't dwelling with the man the unity is now being hindered their ability to come together and function as one even though they are one flesh is what's being hindered so
8: the ideal prayer of husband and wife would be the same involve the same dynamic as the ideal gathering together of the brethren that is one reminds the other of the truth Mm.
7: yes i think one example there's a lot of examples. One I would come with, and this doesn't have to be Jill and I, it could be Greg and I, or Matt and I. You got a problem with if me? I, if, I, if, <laughs> if we have a
0: disagreement,
7: and my, I said, let's pray. And I pray, God, help Jill understand my point of view. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm thinking rationally as a guy, and, and help her to see, right? Well, you I'm know what I'm getting? You. The stiff arm, right? But if I say... Father, help me understand what you, where's Jill. Jill, oh. help me understand where she's coming from. You know, then I'm getting a hug. You know, because she knows that I care, and my her life is more important than mine, than my opinions or my right. Just like Jesus giving His life up for us, same thing. I'm giving my life up for her, her for me, and then you have the narrow road. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah
4: there was something that uh, Heather told me like years ago when we first were married and uh, she'll probably correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but she told me, she told me one day, she goes, I love you, but I actually really love the Lord and Jesus more. And I was like, at first I was like, dude, what? No, exactly. Like, how? like I, that, that in a sense, of course, I was in my younger uh, relationship with, with, with Jesus and stuff. So I was like, I was like, I don't understand. I thought marriage was, we're together. We love each other the most. Like, this this is the thing. (laughs) And so I didn't really think anything of it. And as I've grown more with Jesus, I fully understand it now. Because in order for me to love her unconditionally as Jesus loved us, I have to understand the love and feel the love that Jesus had for me and back and forth between me and him. Because I can't be the best husband that i feel like i need to be for her if i don't know what true unconditional love is and feeling that Amen. and through that i would say that would almost set the foundation for the prayer mm. with your with your spouse is having that unconditional love knowing that i do love jesus the most but in because i love him the most because he is he is our 100 percent everything i can now love my wife almost as
0: equal Mm -hmm. yeah thank god your wife said that because if he was looking at you like you were god and that you could satisfy her desire for love man you'd have a miserable existence together as you went on being married right and that's you hit the nail on the head that's one of the exact things it's talking about i mean right after peter says the thing about husbands and wives he says finally be ye all of one mind having compassion on one another love as brethren be pitiful be courteous so the 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 major concept there when it's talking about prayers being hindered again, I just want to say this: if you think your prayers to God are hindered based on your relationship with your spouse, that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. That's broken. That is from the pit of hell, right? God is not at the mercy of your spouse uh, liking you or you liking your spouse in order to serve you with His life. If He was, then your relationship would be God of God. Yes, and it's not. So it's not talking about that. And if you think it's talking about your prayers being hindered for someone. Listen, my parents prayed for me every day. It's probably one of the reasons why I'm alive. Not that God wasn't keeping me alive, but they saw God's will was for me to live and not die. And they saw I was dying. And so they came together in agreement with God and began praying with God about me living and not dying. Right. And so their prayers for my life weren't hindered by my obstination or my rebellion against them, which was of the utmost degree. Am I rebellion against God? There's no greater rebeller than me, right? And so their prayers weren't hindered. But what can be hindered, I think the point is to to what Joe just said, is us being of one mind and the power of the unity going on in a household. And I think all of us that are married know exactly what it's like when there ain't no unity going down in the room, right? And I think all of us can say, there's some stuff that's been hindered.
5: A lot of things flying. A lot of things.
0: There, there's a whole lot of hindering going on, right? And so you're you're
5: pots all over. The you're place. not
0: en- you're not enjoying what was given to you, yeah. right? As a blessing, yeah. you're not dwelling together as co-heirs, right? You're dwelling together as enemies. Right, co-enemies. You're dwelling together, not reminding each other of the salvation. That's what it means. Your worship together is being hindered. Why was Eve given to Adam? One of the main reasons Eve was given to Adam was to remind Adam that he's not the giver of life, and that God is the giver of life, and to look to God when he needed life, not to her, and vice versa. And so our worship is being hindered if we're not dwelling with each other according to the knowledge of God, because we're not reminding each other of the salvation we're co-heirs in we're not able to speak to each other that way right so we're not coming together in the knowledge of the truth and being an encouragement to one another we're at odds right but that doesn't keep god from doing what god do right and it don't keep god from moving in people's lives right that's the part that i think you yeah, you're, yeah and that's why we don't have to be anxious right that 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 part needs to be re- removed from it the idea that god is hindered and so that's what I would want to say. You would never want it to be said that God is hindered, right? Right? God is not hindered. And therefore, my communication with God isn't hindered.
7: Is that does that make right, sense? Yeah. You guys follow that?
0: In we, fact, to take it to
8: another level, your prayer is not necessary for God to be concerned about your spouse. Yeah, he already is. That's right. That's right.
4: Another thing about the weaker vessel, if it, it might be not relative to the man and Indicating that the man's the stronger vessel. Because if neither can provide each other with life, then you're both the weaker vessel. Yeah. The stronger vessel is the best that can provide life.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And to your point, when Paul talks about husbands and wives, he says, Behold, I tell you a great mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Yeah. So in the scope of removing a man and a woman, or male and female, men and women would both be part of the bride. And Jesus would be the husband. And so men and women, to your point, would both be the weaker vessel, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not to draw some disparaging comment or remark. It's more of an honoring remark, right? Yeah, and then so
8: your prayer goes from the uh, being, did I cut you off? Did you want to say something?
5: Just said it was good what you said.
8: Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Your prayer goes from trying to convince God to do something as opposed to simply talking to him. Uh, about what has been done, is being done, will be done. In other words, yeah. you don't have to, like, you know, we have all probably in our lives had prayers where we're just begging God to do something. Like, please, 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 and making deals. You know, and God, you do this. I'll never do that again. <laughs> that kind of stuff. At least I've had a lot
0: of <laughs> you were sorrowful into death. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, please,
3: get me out of this. And I will never drink and drive again. Yeah, whatever.
8: What? <laughs> this is an example. Uh, you'd say your prayer goes to more like you, you, you're talking to your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're talking to your friend. Your friend cares for you. You don't have to convince your friend to care for you or to care for the things you care about. Because you care about those
0: things because he actually cares about them already. Yeah. Yeah. I think the primary context is dwelling together in peace is what Paul's talking about. The thing that had me
6: thinking along those lines is uh, what was primarily what... Greg had been bringing about about what's going on in the heart of someone who has a physical infirmity and you're praying for them. Well, we're already making a mistake if our prayer is designed in such a way as to manipulate an outcome. But something's going on in the heart of that person as you're proclaiming truth to them in the prayer. And that's what I'm saying. If there's an animosity here, I'm praying for her it hinders that that
0: that uncle it might hinder her from agreeing with you but what i would say is is at the end of the day she's not really needing an encounter with you in that moment right she needed an encounter with the lord jesus and so when when i'm talking about praying from the perspective of i see a person struggling with an affliction or an infirmity or a fear or an anxiety or a pain there's part of me that will try to unwind Their logic that's tormenting them, but at the end of the day I'm gonna shift then into I'm just about to pray the truth to these people because I'm gonna intercede in their their heart And I don't know that I necessarily need them to like me to agree with me or any of that because I'm not looking for an agreement I'm not looking for them to like me. I'm not praying so that they like me like I'm praying for them to encounter the Lord Jesus Right. And so I'm paint my words are just trying to paint a picture of the Lord Jesus. Let and, me interrupt real quick. That's what
6: I'm speaking to what you just said about interceding into their heart. That's what I being
0: Right. And and to the point being made is I'm not the one that's interceding in their heart. It's the Lord Jesus. And so drawing a connection to the Lord Jesus being uh, hindered. I. I I think that that is a stretch in that dynamic, right? I don't know that their feelings for me can get in the way of the Lord Jesus encountering them, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's what I would be weary of, of saying, right? Yeah,
4: Because, I mean, I don't think anybody or I don't think that, say, I don't like Greg. We're just going to say, Greg, Greg comes to me with the truth of the Lord. But I'm like, I don't like Greg. So, all that stuff you just said, I'm not going to listen to it. I mean, yeah, I could see that somebody would say that, but through listening to what, what he told me, I mean, you, I think you would bob and weave of all those hatreds that you have for him. And you would look, look at what he said and say, dang, that, that sounds not right. That's, that's the truth.
0: Yeah, you, and to, to keep, I hate to keep cracking this open and open and open, but to Matt's point, there could be a hindrance. And again, back to the point of the context. You and her might not come together. She might be hindered right. with her thoughts about you. I think what Thomas is pointing out that it's problematic to now make a jump to the Lord Jesus being hindered. Yeah, and I right. wasn't jumping. There. No, but if I'm praying for my wife, I mean, I guess I could be praying for her to like me. <laughs> <laughs> if she doesn't like me, and, and maybe for a miracle, and maybe that's being, <laughs> maybe that's being hindered. <laughs> But I think primarily when I'm praying for my wife I'm, or anybody else, I'm, honestly, my prayer is about them encountering the Lord Jesus, not encountering me and and to Joe, Joe's point, yeah, he could be sitting back there not liking me and lots of people do that. in fact, there's lots of people this is a great example. you know how many people tell me, yeah, first couple of years I heard you talking, I couldn't listen to you, I turned you off. it just made me crazy. I don't like how you talk, I don't. Nah. And then those same people, I can't listen to anybody else but you now, (laughs) right? And so they may have been hindered in their receiving of me or liking me or loving me. And I still see that nonstop today. People that will reject what I say, what I've been saying for years, and all of a sudden, they'll send me this message of somebody else. You really ought to listen to this. Or they'll post it all. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, yeah, I've been saying that for like nine years, (laughs) right? And they, they were hindered. In receiving me, but that's not to say that all my preaching the whole time was not releasing the spirit into the room and that that spirit wasn't hitting their heart and that spirit wasn't still dissecting what's going on in their heart, right? And so uh, I I think there's a place where both these thoughts can come together. What we would never want anyone to believe is that their prayers to God that are in accordance with his will are being hindered, right? We We don't want people to draw that conclusion. Right, but within a relational dynamic, yeah. If there's animosity, them receiving you can be hindered. I mean, I think it's 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 clear.
5: And you know, I find that when I'm praying for someone that has animosity towards me, that I feel more compassionate towards them because I feel like oh, they're not listening and they're not getting, but they are. They really are. It's like they're getting, so they can hate me all they want, or they can, you know, so. I see what you're saying. There could be that hindrance between the two, but but, but the, the big picture is not.
8: You just described Jesus on the cross. Who
4: did?
8: You did. Oh, I These did. people <laughs> were hating him.
4: <laughs>
0: and he felt compassion towards them. Okay, that's what I meant. Your <laughs> account when you first come into an understanding of the grace of our Lord and truth is a perfect example of what would be prayer not being hindered, even though you were rejecting, right? Um, The way you talked, was it, I think it's Birdie was the first one Mm -hmm. you were listening to, and you started off listening to prove to your friends that he was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you started off with animosity. Well, preaching to a certain degree is still prayer, right? And so here's Birdie praying and praying and praying. Well, you come into it with this heart of animosity to be opposed to him and not just to be against what he was saying, but to prove to everybody else that he's wrong. Lest your friends now be led into deception. Yeah. Well, through the course of that going on, next thing you know, you got brought into the knowledge of the truth. And so it's like his prayer, still his prayer, you still had an encounter with the Lord Jesus right through this man praying. It wasn't this man that broke you down, but it was that you encountered the Lord Jesus when this man was praying that broke you down yes and then you ended up loving that man right because you began seeing that that this man is is preaching the knowledge of the son of god right and so yeah that that dynamic can occur where there's a hindrance relationally but not a hindrance like this not a hindrance according to the truth right according to god's heart i think do you all agree with that Mm -hmm. yeah
4: I mean, it's just like anything, you, you can't unsee something, you can't unhear it. So once you've heard it, and it's the truth, you might not be boggling with it right then and there, but you can't unhear the truth. So at some point in your life, you're going to rehear that truth, and that will be working within you.
0: Yeah, it's always working. I try to express that to people when we come to, if we want to call it church, we don't come here to have an intellectual program, although your intellect can be stimulated and challenged. But we come here because should someone be preaching the spirit of truth, spirit and life is being released, and it's connecting with your heart, and the spirit is doing things in your heart, even if you don't see, even if you don't know, right? And it's like Paul, Saul, when, when they were stoning Stephen, right? Saul hated Stephen. He thought Stephen was a blasphemer and that Stephen needed to be killed. He thought he was doing the work of the Lord. I'll hold you guys' as jackets while you kill him, All right. And he's probably sitting there with a smile. Well, right after that, Saul goes off to Damascus. And what does he encounter? The Lord Jesus. Well, guess who just prayed for Saul? Stephen. While they were killing him, he just prayed for Saul. Right? Well, his prayer could look like it was hindered because they still stoned him. And now he's gone. But then immediately after that, this guy Saul goes off on the road to Damascus. He encounters the Lord Jesus, and Jesus says to him, how long will you kick against the prick? Right? And so Stephen's prayer clearly pricked this dude's heart. Right? But you ever seen something that's, like, really hard, and it takes more than one, like, sledgehammer? Like, you swing that sledgehammer, whack, and it just, but it ain't really busted open yet. Right, and so Stephen prayed for them while they were killing him. Forgive them. Well, that was like a dart. That prayer that pricked Saul's heart, but it couldn't crack it all the way. And then when he sees the Lord Jesus, it was like boom. How long will you kick against that prick, Saul? Right, and so the prayer might have looked like it was hindered, but it wasn't really. And Saul still encountered the Lord Jesus, which was the point of it all. Really, which should be the point of any prayer. Right? Like that's what I realize with people. I can un- I can get caught in the trap of unwinding people's intellects because I can. I can like crack it, crack it, crack it, crack it, crack it open. I mean, what? When I was 12 and I overdosed on drugs and they took me to the psychologist, the psychologist the psychiatrist told my parents it was worthless to bring me there because he thought I was profiling him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I just thought that I could see right through him. He didn't know what he was talking about. So yeah, I was playing games with him. But to, to that point, we can crack that open and crack that open, and sometimes that could help a person, but we ought not lose sight of really what they need, even should my explanations be powerful, even should my cracking open be good. It's only so good as it's going to help them encounter the Lord Jesus, right? And at some point, all your fancy explanations, all your uh, psychological knowledge, which could be true, maybe needs to go to the wayside, and you just pray what you know to be true about the Lord Jesus and what he did to conquer death right, inside of his own body and what he did to come and give you an incorruptible life. That you just start praying from the perspective of you knowing God is there with them, right? And they'll encounter the Lord Jesus,
2: right?
5: Maurice, I'm just curious. What does it say in that of the Bible about the word hindered?
2: Hinder? Probably hinder. Is it? It is. Did you look that up?
5: What does, that, what does it mean, though? Like, what is the definition of oh. it?
2: Well then you'd have to get into
5: yeah. that's what I was wondering if it's to delay. Let's see.
0: To render ineffectual, to cut out, to cut off, remove, prevent, to extend, to frustrate, hew down. It's used in reference to the cutting off of a tree. That's Thayer's strongs and mounts' all mm-hmm. combined. Okay. Right.
2: I guess Paul could have said instead of How about the kicking against the bricks? You know, he could have said something like, "How long you gonna keep thinking you're right, hindering you from the truth?" Absolutely.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) What do y'all think? That's good. Mm -hmm. Anybody got anything else they want to add?
1: perspective it's you know talking about conflict and I feel like I'm an expert on
0: an expert on conflict (laughs) well then you can shine like a light to all the other people that are in conflict (laughs) 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 I'm
4: an
1: expert causing it probably (laughs) 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 just just uh, my own journey and experience of just like having to organize my thoughts like with the things that come in, and, and just feeling all these feelings of like unloveliness and inadequacy, and just feeling like I'm a person that causes a burden to someone else or something like that, you know, and just having to um, figure out how many of those feelings were true about me or even things that God thought about me. You know, and in those ways, just that process of um, receiving the truth from God um, opened me up to having a relationship with God built on more and more and more trust as he persuaded my heart that that's not how I am. And that's not what he thinks about me. And so I could see how. Hinder, like the word hinder, in just plain common sense context i could see how it would be something where god's not changed but your feeling about how god sees you is different and not based in truth and how you could be unsure of how he sees you you know and and be unsure of like being able to rely on him to give you what you need, you know. Um, try through conflict um, and then something I wanted to share was that. I've been reading this book uh, about decluttering because you know, I had this idea to do this organizing business and somebody recognized recommended this book. And so it's kind of even challenged me to like just declutter my physical stuff. And as I'm reading the book and thinking about it from a spiritual aspect, God's been showing me that like, like everything we need to have a joyous, love-filled life is already there. The problem is the clutter and the clutter is our fears that we Mm -hmm. carry, how it suppresses and who we really are, you know, and one by one, him taking those things and healing them and unwinding them and, you know, all of that, you know, it it frees us up to interact with him a level that's based on truth and interact with each other at a level based
0: on truth so yeah which will impact our relationship with people
1: Yeah,
0: which i mean i just like i said i used to like harp on individual context well that's not what that verse means and you better not say anything other than what that verse means in its proper context yeah. well then you realize the context of every verse is the lord jesus so as long as As long as a person is using a verse to talk about something that is true about Jesus, I don't really care if that's not what the context of the verse is because Jesus is the primary context. But as we, something that happens to me is I keep meditating on the context of passages. The Lord is like actively painting a picture as I sit here. And, you know, the beginning of this, the context of this word is that the spouse not obeying the word. That's the beginning of the context when he talks about the wives dwelling with the husband, that they obey not the word, where they're not really in the truth. We could say not a believer. That could be part of it, like I mentioned about Paul. But they might not be walking according to the truth right now, right? They, they might be a believer. But as we all know, most of us were believers in not knowing the truth at all, right? And doing all types of nonsense. And so he's the context there is dwelling with your spouse if your spouse isn't walking according to the truth, right? And how is your desire for them to experience life, to be set free, whatever you want to call it, how is that going to most easily be able to manifest or how are you going to be the most helpful in that dynamic? How are you going to be able to walk with them as they're walking in the scorching heat? Right? How are you going to be able to stay in the cool of the day and walk with them? What's going to be a, a helpful thing for them? That's the context of everything he's saying there. So we, the hindrance would be them coming to the knowledge of the truth, right? That, you're not, that your desire for that not be hindered, right? That's, I mean, this is what the first verse says. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may be without the word, be one by your conversation. So it's talking about people being ministered the truth. A wife ministering the truth to her husband by her union with God, right? And a husband being able to minister the truth to his wife through his union with God, manifesting life there in the place, right? Because if you're dwelling with a spouse that isn't walking according to the truth, If you're dwelling with a spouse that is an unbeliever, what's your prayer? Your prayer is that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. Your prayer is that they might experience the life of God. That's your prayer. And So he's talking about a a very practical situation because, listen, this is the beginning of the church. I promise you there's some women going off to meetings and getting healed or something and then coming home to a husband that is still a heathen. Right? Gary and Shelly aren't here, but... And I'm not calling you a heathen, Gary. But but Gary and Shelly, if they were here, they would testify that Shelly went off and got saved first. She went off to a, a meeting and got miraculously healed by God. And so had a moment with God, like a miraculous salvation, where she called upon the name of the Lord. Well, she came home to an unsaved Gary. Right? And so now there's like this, this thing going on in the house. And so I promise you, in the early church, there would have been a dynamic where a husband could have gone off and got saved. None of these people were saved. And now all of a sudden, people are being preached the gospel and people are being saved. Well, now you might come home and your spouse ain't saved. Right? And so Peter is like, you could have the thought. I mean, we have the thought today. Well, I can't be married to them. They're not saved. We even have all this teaching about being unequally yoked. That is completely wrong. Unequally yoked does not mean you can't marry someone that isn't saved. What it's saying is, is you ought not seek counsel from someone who isn't saved because they don't have the wisdom from above. You can dwell with them. I got lots of friends that aren't really saved. Guess what? I don't go ask them for advice about life.
5: <laughs>
0: I love them. I hang out with them. We talk. I might ask them about football, and I might ask them about fantasy football and all this kind of thing. But I am not asking them about life. I promise you. And so the, the, we have to recognize the context of what's being said here and why it would be said and what those people would then desire for their spouse in that dynamic, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, this is the best way that can happen, right? This is the best way, if you're talking about outside of God himself doing it, how are you going to dwell in this dynamic, right? That's the dynamic that I I see it's talking about in in the totality of its context.
7: It's just like Jesus then. Um, He's the truth, the life, and the way. He persuades us of his love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he loves us, even while we're nailing him to a tree. I was right? curious as to what kind
6: of comments were coming on the YouTube feed, so I pulled it up, and since we were we were talking about Bertie, he, he weighed in.
0: <laughs>
6: he said, Jewish prayer also had to do with simply how you lived. Christian life of peace
2: is hindered.
0: Mm. Yeah, your own peace is hindered. Yeah.
2: Y'all want to hear another little caveat? So... <clears throat> You get to the end of this these verses that we're reading and it says for the eyes of the lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the lord is is against them that do evil so i thought to myself what does that mean that the lord's face is against those who are evil so i looked up where, it's, where it says but and the possible translations are but and also but moreover and now so as as easily as that word could mean but it could also mean and so it would say and the face of the lord is against so i said what does that word mean so i had to go and look and it says properly meaning to superimpose as a, a relation of distribution or at rest upon in the direction of towards upon them that do evil do you understand what i'm saying In other words we'll go back and we'll reread it for the eyes of the Lord uh, are over the righteous and his ears are upon their uh, their prayers but and and the face of the Lord is toward or upon or superimposed on them that do evil yeah so it could be equally mean that and and when you consider the whole context of everything it really makes sense that it would say that
5: let's do it say that so
2: we'll say it without reading all this
8: stuff summarize it this way jesus is nailed to the cross he's got a thief on each side one puts his faith in him and the other doesn't he mm-hmm. just doesn't turn his face on the one to the left. He's looking at them both. Yeah.
2: But but he's for both of them. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's still far both, both of them. Yeah.
0: No, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. that's I like what Linda you, says, when this says, "No, first, I don't understand." You, <laughs> <when> <laughs> you, <laughs> no. I was yeah. preaching I, once I at a know. at a conference and I went I into this know. long lengthy explanation well, now, do, and okay, I said, words, "Does that make not sense?" And this lady so no.
1: That's
8: okay. <laughs>
1: when you he's first read it, him. though, I thought he's about when you say, like, God turns his face himself, away from the himself. death. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's what I thought of at first. Yeah, well, and, and, in, and, and in, in fact, yeah. that's like, like, not He You can't yeah. condone the yes. evil. It's not that he's smiting someone or bringing down And the, the faith dead. He isn't a rejection. Condone it. Keep going.
0: He can't condone it. Yeah. Right. And the face being hidden, I say that because we all think of someone hiding their face from someone as a rejection of the person or a shaming of the person. The hiding of the face would be a rejection of death, right? Mm -hmm. Death is working in them. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I think it was John Fazio that posted this morning, right? We say we should love everybody until the person that we say we should love is the person we hate the most. And then we're very convenient in wanting to hate them, right? But God never felt that way because God never saw a person as his enemy, right? And so God always saw death as the enemy and so when god's face is being hidden it's not him hiding his face from a person it's actually his face shining forth upon people it's him hiding his face from death and that which brings death which would be him favoring people and not wanting them to die and that's why he would even hide his face from that it's god cursing death is what it is it's Mm -hmm. god refusing to bless the death like you said condone it's god refusing to, the, de- the union of death with man. Right. He's not going to speak well of the death, yeah. right? He's not going to speak well of that which brings forth the death. And it isn't just for the people that are on the other end. The person who has death coming out of them is also experiencing the death. And it's God working, his face hiding, Is God forbidding death in our life. That's so what God's not going to
8: honor a prayer for you to find life by your own strength.
0: No, he can't. Because it would be him... Right. Condoning he'd death be, in your life. He'd be right. condoning
8: the, the, the wisdom. I the, 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 can't the, contradict his the He'd be James condoning was, the, the wisdom called sin. Yeah,
6: that's the same thing James was saying in that he, he's against the proud. God resists the proud.
0: Yeah, not because he's upset with them, because he sees that's killing them. Right. right. God's resisting death on their behalf. These guys are busy with something that's killing them. They don't see it. So I'm going to resist what's in them. So when they see me resisting it, they'll turn away from the death that's killing them. Right. Mm -hmm. that's what it it more looks like. But we get all like, you know, we're so... Judgmental. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The system in the world is so much designed where we want to categorize people as good or evil or our friends or our enemies. And we tend to like group people that way, right? And so, yeah, we're so filled with negative judgments towards them that we just translate those things right into the Lord and not seeing that... God doesn't consider himself the enemy of any human beings. God considers death to be the enemy. And then he functions that way. his, His life, if we want to say it this way, is born from that understanding. Death is the enemy. People aren't the enemy. That's why he would never return to people evil for the evil they give him. Because even should people give God evil and nail God to a tree, he wouldn't see the people as the enemy. He would see death as the enemy. And so everything he would do would then be to war against the real enemy, which is death and not people, right? And we struggle with that characterization because death seems like a, I don't know if ethereal is the right word. Someone with a better grasp on vocabulary might be able to correct me. Death seems like theoretical. a theoretical? theoretical, right? Like you don't really see it in the air here, right? And so when we're experiencing pain, We struggle to see that death is the enemy there because we don't really see it with our natural eyes. But you know what we see? We see a person.
1: (laughs) Or you think it's yourself.
0: Right. Or you see yourself. Right. But we want to put a face to it. Yeah. Right. And because we we don't see death floating in the air, we see a person. The person tends to become the face of the enemy. Right. And then... That's when you can feel bitterness and and animosity and, and hatred and all those types of which things. Which is the primary dynamic of politics in the United States today. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because human beings, listen, you can galvanize a group of human beings yeah. by pointing to the enemy. Yeah. Demonizing. By pointing to that which is in the way of life. Yeah. Humans want life more than anything. And if you can convince any group of human beings that this thing over here is in the way of you having life, you will get all the human beings to want to destroy that. Right. And that that's that's the, the power of God, though, knowing death is the enemy. Right. And then him giving birth to that inside of you where you see death is the enemy. So what ends up happening is the moment you feel anxiety or stress or hurt, there's probably a person involved somewhere when you feel those feelings. But what will happen is God will father himself inside of you and you won't confuse the, the hurt that you feel with the person. You'll see that death is the enemy. Death is what's hurting you. That will do this powerful thing where you're not trying to get the other person to change for you to have peace, but you start realizing what you need is God. And you start connecting with God who can heal your heart from the sting of death.
8: So the knowledge of that truth is actually what Mm -hmm. will affect the composition of your prayer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's dwelling in the knowledge of the truth, Mm -hmm. right? And that will actually be a benefit in your relationship, not just with the other person, but like Bertie so beautifully filled out the other side of it and you're experiencing peace, right? How are you gonna experience peace? Because that's how we started with, we desire peace. We don't just desire for our spouse to have peace, we want peace. Well, if you're married to somebody that's walking through hell, how are you gonna have peace?
1: Yeah.
0: How are you gonna have peace, right? And that's another thing that that's getting at. How are you gonna be filled with joy and love? If you're dwelling in a house with someone that's filled with darkness? Are your brothers filled with darkness? Are your sisters filled with darkness? My child. Are your parents or your child? How are you going to have peace? I mean, my parents could testify to this. How are they going to have peace when every single one of their childs were in child's the children? Childs. <laughs> every single one of their children was in the valley of the shadow of death. How are you going to have peace? Right? What's
6: that line with them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my dad, my dad dreamt of driving. You want to tell the story, Dad?
3: Sure. Yeah.
0: Just speak up a little bit so the mic will pick you up.
3: Okay. I'll leave out some of the details because uh, <laughs> there's probably some people still alive and, and uh, had some thoughts about me that I didn't realize I was projecting so much. <laughs> and uh, I was doing the driving home in that i'm going to leave out some detail here so I'm, I'm trying hard to tell you the story without giving you all the detail um anyway i had been around and round with all the people in fly the schools and the police and judges and courts and with all of my kids and nothing was getting better it was only getting worse and i could see the the impact to my wife and uh, we were sleeping on the floor in the hallway, trying to keep from sneaking out and doing drugs or any number of other things. And so we couldn't stay awake long enough to stop that from happening. And so cut it off right there. I did everything I knew in my own strength to try to make things better and nothing worked. Now included in that was I did a lot of praying. I did a lot of talking to God. Um I wasn't getting any satisfaction from that, but I kept it up. And I hauled a a band full full of people back and forth from Slide to New Orleans every day to work. And we go across the twin span. And I, I began to think very deeply about how quickly I could solve my problem if I just drove off the twin span. And I was thinking about that one day, and there was this guy sitting next to me, and he was kind of uh, an adversary of me at work. You, you represented a different group without going into a lot of detail. Anyway, He happened to be sitting in the passenger seat. And so I was trying to get past all this. And one of the things I did to try to get past my thinking was I would pray in tongues, but I wasn't doing it out loud because none of these other guys understood any of that, nor did they know what I was going through. So as I began to think deeply about driving off the twin span, I realized you know I don't want to take all these people with me it wasn't like that I just wanted to do myself in because I couldn't take it anymore and so uh, I started praying in tongues to try to get me snapped out of that so I'm sitting over there driving you know I guess my mouth was moving a little bit or something but I wasn't doing it out loud well pretty soon I'm sitting there of course at that time I had both Working eyes, which I don't have now. I've got one one good eye over here. So if you come up on this side and I don't respond to you, it's because I'm blind from here over. But I had both eyes working at that time. And I happened to catch out of the corner of this eye as I was driving, my passenger, his head became started to come into view, and he was looking sideways at me. this is the guy that doesn't like me so I thought what is his problem well, I found out later that he noticed my mouth was moving but nothing was coming out so he thought I'd lost my money he got scared <laughs> and so that evening he talked to somebody else that worked at the company and, uh, Said something bad's wrong with Larry. Said we can't have him driving anymore. (laughs) I think you need to talk to him. So next night, the guy that this guy talked to said, "I I want to take you home and drop the van off at my house. I'll let you out." So it was just a move by him to get along with me and talk a little bit. Because he had some similar problems, just not as bad. But his kids ran with my kids. So he uh, talked to me about how uh, this guy had talked to him because he was scared that, that I might drive off the bridge and kill everybody. And I'm thinking, did he know that? <laughs> <laughs> the fact they were all in the band probably is what kept me from doing it. You know, I didn't want to take anybody with me. So I said, uh, I said, there's nothing going on there. I said, I was just praying to myself and he misunderstood what was going on. So I, I lied to him, <laughs> just to uh, get him off my back. And so he took that and went on home. And so within a couple of days, my boss called me into his office and said, I'm hearing some things about you that aren't good. I said, like what? And he said, oh, and he named this guy, which is going to go nameless in this story. He said, he came and talked to me and said, he's scared that you're going to kill everybody in the band. Man, I have never said anything to anybody, not even my wife. And somehow this is all getting around. And it's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, I was just praying, and this guy likes likes you to drive and talk to him, you know, drive while you're driving, and talk to him, and you're not talking to him if you're not looking at him, okay, and he's like, Larry, Larry, I'm driving, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to pay attention while you're driving, right, Right. I had lots of good excuses. So the fact is, he kind of knew what was going on in my head. Wow. I just wasn't sharing it with him. So I thought. <laughs> but he was getting something. So, uh, I stepped down from me and the driver Wow! a while. <laughs> Had a lot more conversations with God back and forth. Nothing changed in my kids. And, uh, Finally, just in desperation time I'm walking around the house, pacing around, the house, having it out with God and looking for God to tell me something to do. And every time I went around the house, there was this what used to be a beautiful garden we had on the side. It turned into big weed patch, dangerous stuff in there, snakes, rats, you name it. It was in there hiding in the weeds. Um Bees and wasps and all kind of stuff. Not something you'd want to get very close to, because all you had to do was walk close to it, and they were coming after you. So I'm around in the front of the house, and God says, "Go work in your garden." I'm like, "Work in my garden? What garden?" I said, "You got a garden?" I'm trying to think abstract you know, I wasn't seeing it, and. It took him a while. I didn't get it that day. A few days later or maybe a week later or so, same thing, walking around the house, trying to calm myself down. And He kept saying, go work in the car. I'm like, I am dying here. My kids are threatening to kill themselves, overdosing on drugs or having babies out of wedlock or all kinds of stuff. And I just can't stay awake 24-7 and work offshore and drive people back and forth. And all this stuff, it's too much. God said, well, go work in your garden. (laughs) So I looked all over that yard. Every time I came by that weed patch, he'd say, there's your garden. I'm like, that's not a garden. (laughs) There wasn't anything worth having in there. It's where I threw everything, like, Logs and the stuff that I didn't want to have to deal with. I just threw it in there and made it worse. <laughs> so finally, I broke down. And I started working. Well, you know, it didn't take but a couple of inches, and I had to run because the wasps and the bees and the snakes and the rats were coming after me. So I'd get away from it, and I thought, I'm "Supposed to work in that? Surely he didn't mean that." But I finally came to the end of myself, and yeah, that's what he meant. And so I said, you're gonna to have to show me how to do this because I don't know how to do this safely. And uh, he said, well, you just start on the outside and just do a little something, pull something up, get a rape reach in there, pull something out, do something, and that's what I did. And I don't remember for how long but it seemed like an eternity. I was the only one working in that weed bench. and uh, I, I tried to burn it, but I couldn't do that because it was too close to the house. The wind caught it and was headed for the house, so I put it all out, wet it all down good, and of course that was the end of the fire. So anyway, I had a lot of calamity with all this, and I get to the end here, but um, eventually I got through all that that mess and everything that was in there. It wasn't, didn't belong in here was gone, either because I removed their habitats or I killed them. And so uh, these came to, uh, to help me out once I got all that junk out of there and we we actually started building the garden and God gave us five different flowers that he, we were supposed to plant in there. Nothing that about this flower. And each one of those flowers, God told us before we had the them. he told us which ones to get. and He said, which one, which flower represented which kid. And he told us to watch those flowers. We didn't have to sleep on the floor in the hallway. We didn't have to worry about whether we were good parents or not. We still had to listen to all the people Slide L tell us how lousy we were and how we were screwing up their kids. But uh, God said, watch those flowers and when the flowers aren't doing good, you'll know which kids are having the most trouble. And When the flowers are perked up, he said, you don't have to worry about those. And so we, we did, and those flowers did react that way. And she can attest to that. And we responded when those flowers started drooping. And at some point, we didn't go tell the kids about any of this. At some point, the kids must've got the word because they started going out there and watching their own flowers. Mm-hmm. One of our daughters, Michelle
4: here, no.
3: Michelle was one of the ones that really was dedicated to watching flowers and Pat, both those two. they kept eyes on their flowers because they were still doing all kinds of junk. And they knew that if the flowers was not doing well, they wouldn't do well. So that told them that, hey, Stop. Yeah. At least long enough to make the flower look better. <laughs> well, that was something. That was huge. You know? So that's
0: enough. Yeah. But pe- how are you going to have peace when you're in the midst of relationships with people that are jacked up? How are you going to have peace? Right? The knowledge of God is what's going to give you peace in the midst of dwelling with people that are not walking in the truth are walking in peace themselves. And that's another context there, right? The knowledge of God, the knowledge that whatever it is you need is found in him and not in them.
7: The flower in you,
0: right? It's not found in them getting it right. So if you're not having peace in the house, it's really easy to think it's the person in the house, (laughs) right? But the knowledge of God will convince you that the peace you need is found in him and not in the person in the house. And you'll begin walking in the house according to the knowledge of the truth yourself right and that will give birth to the life of god inside of you in the house right glory to god yeah
5: that's a good story
0: awesome thanks yeah. so much for sharing. thanks all you guys for coming thanks everyone for sharing thank everyone that made some food thank you so much we love y'all it was really rich today being with all you guys have a great one you guys watching online thank you we love y'all time for lunch